On the campaign trail, candidates typically make use of unaltered popular songs as they enter and exit the stage at rallies or other events. Following the New York primary, Donald Trump entered to the strains of Frank Sinatra's New York, New York, while Hillary Clinton took the stage to Rachel Platten's fight song, this is my fight song. a track she has used on numerous occasions. In homage to the recently deceased musical trailblazer Prince, Clinton used Let's Go Crazy at an April 22nd rally in Pennsylvania. Bernie Sanders adopted a similar strategy back in January when he started exiting events to revolutionary rocker David Bowie's tune, Starman. Indeed, candidates embrace pre-existing music at their live events, but voters often engage with candidates by creating their own musical compositions or even musical parodies that playfully engage with the political hopefuls' personas and platforms. Today, the team at Tracks on the Trail will address musical parodies composed in response to the 2016 campaign and shed light on the role such parodies play in the electoral process. This is Cannon McLean for Tracks on the Trail at Georgia College. And now for the news. This time on the campaign trail, we'll be taking a look at a handful of presidential parodies that would make Weird Al Yankovic smile like an admiring punny father figure. The hit Broadway musical Hamilton has made it big for a variety of different reasons. And even though you might expect the story of a founding father to make a political splash, we bet you weren't quite ready for the Jeb Bush and Donald Trump versions. Jeb, an American disappointment, was created by 18 college students in a Google Doc, not unlike most college finals, and Hamill Trump came into being from the creative minds at Rad Motel Sketch Comedy. How does a bastard, racist, son of a millionaire and a mogul drop? Well, I'm the smartest person I know, and I'm telling you, we're going to build that wall, and Mexico is going to pay for it. The Holderness family, of Christmas Jammies fame, has brought valuable information to the voters by sharing a now viral video highlighting the differences between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. With an impressive wig collection and the always effective use of adorable children, the Holdernesses provide the political biographies we've all been waiting for. Born in 46, little baby who was plump, a healthy little kid named Donald J. Trump. Next year, 47 in Chicago, Illinois, Hillary's born. She says she was a tomboy. Honorable mention goes out to two parodies that take a stab at all the candidates. The first, Campaign Wars, The Donald Awakens, takes a look at a galaxy close, close to home this election season. May the votes be with you. Wah, wah. 
The second takes a different approach. You are now about to witness the strength of big lobbies. Using the theme from Straight Outta Compton as the background for an epic battle of sick rhymes titled Straight, Straight Outta, Outta Options. A crazy motherfucker named Ted Cruz, born in Canada with a bad attitude. Add a cook off, I'll bring a sword off. Squeeze the trigger and speak in his. In other news, a Hillary Clinton impersonator performed a soulful rendition of Bonnie Raitt's I Can't Make You Love Me. In the scene, the candidate sings her woes to a group of people unable to hear even her most rollicking guitar shredding. I mean, I like Hillary's foreign policy experience, but I love Bernie's whole vibe. Uh, I'm obsessed with his vibe. Because yeah. I can make you love me if you do. Not Bernie is the best. You can make your heart feel. And it looks like Bernie Sanders supporters have pulled out their flower crowns and crop tops for a Coachella-inspired Bernie Cella. The concert took place on April 21st and 22nd and was produced by Bernie Sanders supporters. Earlier in the week, Run the jewels, jewels, jewels. Sanders made an introductory video for Run the Jewels at the actual Coachella. Zoe Kravitz and Edward Sharp of Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros are just some of the artists that performed at Bernie Cella. And that's all the news from the Tracks on the Trail communications team this time. For more of the latest, check out tracksonthetrail.com. And now we'll turn to this month's featured contributor, Christiana Barnard, and her essay on the use of parody in the 2016 Democratic Nominating Contest. Feeling the burn or just feeling burned? Musical parody in the contest for the 2016 Democratic nomination. This is Christiana Barnard for Tracks on the Trail. From Renaissance parody masses to Weird Al Yankovic, milk commercials to playground taunts, musical parodies are a ubiquitous, cheeky thread of society's musical fabric. The pervasiveness of parody belies the cleverness of the act of parodying a recognizable song. By introducing the creative constraint of reusing pre-existing musical matter, parodies instantly grant a familiar grounding to a listener acquainted with the original tune. The melody and other musical material take on a palumpsist-like quality as they are infused with new, added layers of meaning. Perhaps the greatest example of the inventive powers of parody came about in the American political sphere during the 2004 presidential election, with parody studio Jib Jab's famous reimagining of Woody Guthrie's leftist ode, This Land is Your Land, entitled This Land. This Land is my land. I'm a Texas tiger. You're a liberal wiener. I'm a great crusader. You're a Herman Munster. This land will surely vote for me. In this simple animated music video, opponents John Kerry and George W. Bush attack each other's perceived weaknesses in an attempt to stake their claim on the future presidency. Naturally, jibes regarding class and gender abound, as each performs self-aggrandized, archetypically male roles, and is mocked in turn for his stupidity in the case of Bush, or neutered submissive femininity in the case of Kerry. You can't say nuclear, that really scares me. Sometimes a brain can come in quite handy, but it's not gonna help. Twelve years and three presidential elections later, it should come as little surprise that musical parody continues to be a valuable tool for proponents of this year's presidential hopefuls. Amongst the Democratic Party in particular, 
Parity is proving to be a fertile ground for both supporters and detractors of Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders alike. In this essay, I seek to explore the ways in which musical parodies that attack and praise the Democratic hopefuls contribute to the gendered dialogue surrounding them. Additionally, I will examine the ways in which supporters use parody as a vehicle through which they can perform their own gender in relation to their chosen candidate, thereby encouraging others to join them in their support. As even the most cursory of YouTube searches will reveal, Hillary Clinton has been the target of innumerable parody attack videos, both musical and otherwise, for much of YouTube's existence. Her 2016 presidential bid has served as the inspiration for a profusion of new parodies, including, but certainly not limited to, a reworking of Helen Reddy's I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar, entitled Hillary Clinton's new campaign theme song. I am Rodham, you can say, don't you bring up Benghazi. Our sarcastic love song, sung by a Bill Clinton impersonator, sets the melody of My Girl. I'm a stuck guy. She's a lousy lady. And a reimagining of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas, entitled All I Want for Christmas is to be President. In a turn of events that does not surprise, each parody listed here directly attacks Clinton's perceived failure to properly perform femininity. Perhaps this is why, amongst the abundance of parody videos to explore, Tomo News's Emails, Benghazi, and Bill stands out. This offensive and ambitious attack video, created by the American branch of a Taiwanese animation news website, parodies four instantly recognizable songs from a variety of genres and decades. Gloria Gaynor's 1978 disco hit, I Will Survive, Katy Perry's 2013 single, Dark Horse, Journey's 1981 classic, Don't Stop Believin', and Naughty by Nature's 1991 hip-hop smash hit, OPP. Use of such diverse musical material allows the creators to present Clinton in negative yet diverse gendered roles beyond the shrill, tired, nagging wife stereotype that has been used to dismiss and diminish Clinton over the course of her political career. However, in the process, the video reveals many of the sexist mechanisms at play in the discourse surrounding Clinton's candidacy. The video, which features CGI animation of Clinton and others, opens with a brief imagined boxing match between several 2016 presidential contenders, a contest which, notably, Clinton wins after snatching Donald Trump's wig, and then segues into a presumably remembered former match between Clinton and Obama as the I Will Survive inspired segment begins. I was horrified. I should have won 2008 by a landslide, but then I spent so many- This portion of the medley of parodies features the most predictable gendered imagery as Gaynor's disco classic, which details a woman's process of recovery and empowerment after breaking up with a former lover, is reimagined as Clinton's revenge fantasies about current President Barack Obama. Her age is used for comedic effect as firemen are depicted attempting to control her flaming birthday cake, and Clinton is once more depicted as a power-hungry, neurotic housewife as she measures the drapes in the Oval Office. The next three segments show Clinton in a far less predictable light. In a variation on the usual criticism of Clinton as a power-hungry politician, she is shown as a stand-in for Katy Perry in Dark Horse. This segment riffs on the depiction of Perry in the original music video, as Clinton is portrayed as the desirable, wealthy object of the male gaze, a powerful combination of Cleopatra-like sex icon and evil goddess. The line from the original song, Are you ready for, ready for, a perfect storm, Are you ready for, ready for, 
is changed you. Are you ready for, ready for, your female lord? As Clinton is shown luxuriously floating across the Nile while being worshipped by slave-like followers. The spectacle continues in the next portion, as the brief Don't Stop Believing segment, which is sung here as Don't Stop Deceiving, introduces an unusual and graphic image of Clinton. The line, street likes people, from the original song, is changed to sheep-like people. Sheep -like people. And as Clinton sings this line, her nose appears to grow to absurd lengths in the style of Pinocchio, cracking through the ceiling of the Capitol building and emerging on the other side where it sodomizes a sheep on the lawn. Intended to provoke revulsion, this image is indicative of how far the creators feel that Clinton has gone to transgress in her role as a woman. Her lies become an artificial phallus, imbued with coercive power. While obviously intended to be a crass attack on the candidate, ultimately, this imagery also serves to reveal the violent phallocentrism of American politics. As non-consensual, male-dominated sexual control is seen as a stand-in for political persuasiveness. This metaphor, while tasteless, is unfortunately fitting for a campaign that's been marked by discussions of a certain GOP frontrunner's hand size in a series of slut and body-shaming exchanges made by Donald Trump and Ted Cruz regarding their respective wives' perceived desirability. Despite the brazen power of this image, ultimately, the creators of the video deprive Clinton even of this backhanded acknowledgement of political control. This act of disempowerment is performed unexpectedly. Since the beginning of the OPP parody, Clinton takes on the powerful mannerisms and characteristics associated with a black male hip-hop performer. Dang it, Bill! How many voters do not care to party systems jacked? Clinton, the candidate perhaps most often mocked for being stiff and uncool, makes a laughable but intriguing hip-hop mogul. Her masculinized confidence takes center stage as she smokes an oversized cigar, leads crowds of white male politicians in call-and-response style singing and dancing, and shoots an elephant, clearly intended to represent the GOP. At the end of the segment, however, the imagined camera zooms out and up to reveal hidden marionette strings controlled by a faceless male puppeteer. The space of race and gender-bending freedom created by the satire is abruptly shut down by the suggestion that Clinton, even as an imagined subversive icon of political power, is incapable of being anything other than a pawn in a larger, male-dominated power play. While musical parodies created to attack a candidate are a potent way for voters to share their views on a presidential hopeful, parodies created in honor of specific candidates can often be revealing in other key ways. Bernie Sanders has largely escaped serving as a target of negative attacks thus far, a phenomenon that has been observed by political analysts and is evidenced by the fact that the musical parodies posted on YouTube regarding Sanders are largely positive tribute parodies. The parodies in honor of Sanders are multitudinous and diverse in their approach. As Sanders' campaign has been marked by a flurry of millennial support, grassroots activism, and widespread online activism, the number and range of these tributes is clearly part of a larger pattern reflected of the demographic of young voters that Sanders inspires with his take-no-prisoners rhetoric and commitment to matters such as raising minimum wage and making college education more affordable. Two tributes in particular, All About That Burn, a parody of Megan Trainor's All About That Bass, and We Will Burn You, a Sanders-themed reimagining of Queen's We Will Rock You, provide a great deal of information about the underlying tensions in the Democratic Party, the gendered traits ascribed to Sanders by his supporters, in the ways in which they are using his visibility to explore their own political and personal identities. All About That Burn, a parody written and performed by Victoria Elena Nones on the Feminist for Bernie YouTube channel, takes on comments made by Madeleine Albright and Gloria Steinem regarding young women who favor Sanders over Clinton. 
Sarcastically enacting the implication that she's voting for Sanders in order to meet men, Nones vapidly giggles her way through the lyrics and dances in a lightly provocative manner, akin to Trainer's performance in the original music video. I'm just a feminist who's a boy crazy fool. That's why I'll vote for him. That's what I'm gonna do. The young politicos, they make my heart race with all the right unions in all the right places. While the video buys into the assertion that young feminists are boy crazy fools on a surface level, Nones' choice to rewrite All About That Bass highlights a deeper struggle between an older and younger generation of feminists. Trainer's original song was heavily criticized by feminists, as it appeared to be a body positive anthem while, in actuality, it upheld sexist beauty standards tied to the male gaze. Nones' cover retains this tension, shifting the conflict from one that pits curvaceous women and the straight men who love them against body positive feminists to battle between second and third wave feminists. By casting a cutout head of Sanders as an object of infatuation throughout the music video, Nones humorously implies that her reasons for choosing Sanders over Clinton are anything but hormonally fueled. While the parody presents itself as a tribute to Sanders, it is clearly intended to function as an exhibit in this debate, suggesting a tongue-in-cheek alternative rationale for voter allegiance in a shifting landscape of diverse feminisms. While All About That Burns satirically depicts Sanders as the political incarnation of a teenage dreamboat, another parody, We Will Burn You, takes a radically different approach for Bernie Sanders more than by presenting Sanders as the revolutionary figurehead of a populist uprising. In this video, the parody does not start immediately. Rather, it begins with a montage of Bernie's message and accomplishments, set to an upbeat, synthesized soundtrack ultimately climaxing as Sanders himself proclaims his campaign slogan, Feel the Burn. As Queen's classic, We Will Rock You is frequently used to create hype at sporting events, this introduction serves as an adrenaline-building stand-in for a more traditional physical contest, befitting the masculinized ode to Sanders that is to follow. Bernie, you're a man making big noise, U.S. Senator, gonna be our next prince Sunday. You got Clinton in the race, big disgrace, flip-flopping all while female supporters of Sanders are shown in the video, the audio component of the parody overwhelmingly features male voices, and the visual component focuses on male supporters. The overall effect of the video is primal, a demand for justice on behalf of the increasingly disenfranchised body of young male voters who came of age during the economic collapse brought on by Reaganomics. This parody succinctly captures what Michael Kimmel describes as a sense of betrayal amongst the white middle and working classes following the collapse of a social contract that ensured that a man could rise as high as his talents and aspirations could take him. Kimmel argues that this collective bitterness has led an older generation of American men to band together in the further reaches of the right wing. Sanders, however, provides a left-wing alternative for a younger demographic particularly a younger male demographic, fueled by a combination of the discontent for an older generation, a desire for social progress, and youthful indignation. In this parody, rage is verbalized and organized, culminating in a militant allegiance to an unconventional messiah, one who is comfortable enough with his masculinity to declare I love you to a predominantly male audience over the queer soundtrack of Queen, while still virile enough to lead a renegade band of millennials to victory. Ultimately, I believe these videos when viewed as part of a larger landscape, reveal one of the underlying social trends in this year's contest for the Democratic presidential nomination, the tendency of comedy to reflect larger societal patterns, such as sexism-fueled discomfort with women in positions of political power, 
even when that comedy is created by supposedly progressive parties. Notably, this issue is hardly exclusive to the musical parody, as evidenced by the online profusion of Sanders-related memes, such as a series of fictionalized campaign posters purportedly comparing Sanders and Clinton's views on popular culture. That being said, parody is not only being used to perpetuate comedic or dominant and unfortunately problematic mindsets in this year's election. As Sanders' campaign has been widely underrepresented in mainstream media, a phenomenon referred to as the Bernie blackout by the Sanders campaign, his supporters' active presence on social media prevents a way to subvert the trend. Amongst those aged 18 through 29, social media has proven to be the most common way that voters receive election-related news. As easily as parody can be used to reinforce the status quo, it can also be used to rewrite it, etching over the surface of that which is assumed with a vibrant new message. This is Christiana Barnard for Tracks on the Trail. Tracks on the Trail. You just heard from Christiana Barnard, contributor to Tracks on the Trail at Georgia College, on parodies created in response to the 2016 presidential campaign. Now she joins us in the studio for a brief Q&A on this topic. Hi, Christiana. Hello, Dana. Thanks for sharing your insight on parodies. After listening to what you had to say, I was struck by the fact that both the parodies you addressed deal with Democratic candidates. And I'm wondering if we've seen many parodies that take stabs at the Republicans this campaign season. Definitely, especially attack parodies. Um, And looking at the database that we've compiled in regards to music used in this election, you'll find that this is probably not going to surprise anyone. There are far more Donald Trump parodies than probably parodies for any other candidate, largely attack parodies, and they range from the usual user-made attack videos, similar to the ones that we saw for Hillary Clinton, to larger, um, more commercialized parodies. College Humor has released one, which is very popular, which has had an astronomical number of views compared to the ones for other candidates, which is a variant on your meme one, Mr. Grinch, and that one is actually definitely worth checking out. So for the Trump ones, there are plenty higher production values, as well as some of the more amateur user-made ones. And there are ones addressing Ted Cruz as well, and actually not quite as many, of course, which makes sense when you consider his treatment in this election versus Trump's treatment. And these are usually more amateur videos, and uh, one that we found is actually in regards to a comment he made about music itself. So if you'd like me to go into that, I can discuss that. Sure, that that would be great. And I'm glad you mentioned that terrific uh, Grinch one. You're a mean one, Mr. Trump, is really terrific. There's a Donald D. Trump parody. It's set to the tune yes. of the uh, Oompa Loompa song from the, uh, the <laughs> 1971 uh, Willy Wonka film, uh, which is really entertaining as well. But go ahead. Yes. Um, so that one actually mentioned, it's interesting, I think because of the size of Trump's persona and just the fact that so much has been said about him, you are dealing with a lot of pop culture references that maybe aren't used quite as much in reference to other candidates. So naturally you have 
the criticism of made of his appearance, which I thought was actually, from a gender standpoint, was very interesting. Trump has received a lot of flack for his appearance in ways that you don't necessarily get for Ted Cruz or Bernie Sanders. So the Oompa Loompa one was actually a direct attack on the assertions that perhaps he may use fake tanning, which <laughs> is, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say it's really leveling the gendered playing field when it comes to attacking a man for his appearances, but that is a whole other matter. So, But the one regarding Ted Cruz is actually a Ted Cruz country song. I'm just going to get that title for you quickly. Uh, I believe um, it was Ted Cruz country song. That's why I couldn't think of it. I think it's so. <laughs> so that one is very... I, what I loved about this is all these attack parodies generally are, you know, pretty base, slow blows at things that people don't like about the candidates. And at this point in the election, everyone knows what they don't like about every single candidate. So those are pretty easy to come by. But this one explicitly um, references a comment that Ted Cruz made very early on in the election cycle, actually, about the fact that he used to listen to rock music. But following 9-11, he shifted in terms of his musical taste and now favors country because of the inherent patriotism that he sees in country music. And while that <laughs> I'm sure was a very well-intended statement, it this particular attack video um, tries to depict Ted Cruz actually in a way that I think is very similar to the way that we saw George W. Bush being portrayed in the This Land video. And it really goes with those sort of more like rustic ideas regarding traditional American masculinity and naturally, they're, especially with the comments on the video, you see a lot of people pointing out the fact that they think it's ironic that uh, the, I'll use heavy air quotes here, the Canadian Ted Cruz is trying to paint himself as an American. <laughs> so it actually plays a lot into those stereotypes regarding, I'd say, Republican masculinity and the sort of Southern versus Northern mentality, which sure. is, I'd say, not something that's come into play in this election as much as we've seen in previous elections, especially those with George W. Bush. Yeah, I think that's it's really fascinating that you're, you know, sort of looking at it from a gender standpoint. And I think it's it's also really interesting from a music genre standpoint. And I'm glad you referred back to that comment that he made. I believe it was on CBS this morning. It was back in March of 2015 about, you know, how his, cha- his taste changed post 9-11. And it's interesting the way this parody video responds to that. And you know, it sort of portrays rock and roll music as sort of shallow and and un-American and kind of psychotic and crazy. And then it puts forward country music as being patriotic, religious, you know, Christian. And it sort of pairs it with, you know, cartoon images of of, of meat eating and carrying guns. Um, So it's interesting sort of how these two music genres are constructed in, in, in the video. And you know, essentially the videos sort of dramatizing the candidates misplaced assumptions uh, about music genre, you know, while it, you know, also pokes fun at him for making these assumptions in the first place. But, uh, you know, it's also interesting in this parody, you know, the song itself actually adds an interesting layer of meaning. The song that is parodied here is Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. And, you know, the song is about, uh, you know, trying to fit in, realizing you don't, and ultimately embracing that. And that pretty much describes the Cruz campaign, or, or really Cruz's position in Washington anyways. Yeah. And this is actually something I talked about when I was recording the essay itself, kind of a behind the scenes things on the use of the word palumpsist in my essay, talking about the layers of meaning. So in that one, I noticed it's really interesting how it's kind of uncomfortable to watch because it displaces Cruz, who has more of a, while he is 
putting forth these kind of like good Christian American values, he doesn't have necessarily the persona that we're used to seeing in a lot of Republican candidates of the past. So I think that's kind of part of the built-in humor in the comedy as you're addressing this idea of the misplaced person trying to find a home, maybe not succeeding too much, and making some kind of amusing comments in the process. I'm curious to know, you know, I don't know how much time you spend looking at the comment sections, but, uh, you know, a lot of these parodies have generated quite a bit of attention. How does the public respond to these parodies? Can you give us some insight on that? Yes. Um, In these YouTube comments, you find a lot that the comments are kind of what you would expect. The attack videos against a certain candidate tend to reveal the voter allegiances of those attacking the candidate. So naturally, you'll discover um, a video against a Republican candidate will either have a strong leaning in the comments for another Republican candidate or someone on the Democratic side of things. I noticed with some of these attack videos, especially those against Trump, Hillary's name comes up surprisingly often. And nothing particularly divisive, just like HRC 2016, that sort of thing. In terms of the support videos, like the um, the tribute parodies made in support of Bernie Sanders, those tend to be very effusive comments in praise of Sanders. And I think you find a lot more of discussion going on, even down to like real world involvement, like discussion of rallies, discussion of other online activism that's being done. And I think it's interesting to see how fertile the YouTube comments are for the Sanders videos as compared to the attack videos, which tend to be kind of just an endless string of insults that go along with the message of the video itself. Yeah, I mean, it's we've definitely seen it tracks on the trail. And, you know, you could see this by looking at the four scholars section of the Tracks on the Trail website, the bibliography we've compiled, that there's certainly a lot of chatter in the mainstream press about, you know, what the candidates' music tastes are, what music they're playing at their rallies and at their speeches. You know, the majority of that is unaltered popular songs that are being used. But the comment sections for a lot of those websites, it's sort of opened up this space where people are having these broader conversations about candidates, their platforms, their values, their vision, their integrity, as candidates. And it seems like the parodies that have been proliferating on YouTube are essentially serving a similar function. I mean, I think, you know, to a certain extent, the level of the discourse is, you know, people can be a bit more negative. But it's important to mention that music has created another space where these conversations could take place. And I think in a lot of ways, these spaces appeal to people that maybe traditionally have not as had as much of an interest or an investment in electoral politics. Definitely. I think there's an air of casualness about YouTube comments. And mm. we've seen this go very awry, especially in terms of women being attacked in YouTube videos, queer people being attacked in YouTube videos, just very hateful comments in this election that it's unsurprising that there are a lot of hateful comments being thrown about, but also the way that parodies are being shared, like the actual conversations that are occurring. One thing that surprised me most, like reading through pages of YouTube comments is finding that People who oppose the message of attack video aren't particularly likely to comment on it. I think there's a certain air of knowing better, but it tends to be a place for casual supporters, maybe those who aren't the ones who are as involved to kind of rally, share their opinions, share their support for the person making it. In one instance, this is one that I found recently, it's a parody of Straight Out of Compton. It's called Straight Out of Options. And it's actually one, it was done earlier in the election cycle 
has not been as popular on YouTube as it has been on Facebook, but it actually has a whole array of Republican and Democratic candidates, most of whom since have dropped out of the race. But this one I found was really interesting because it didn't really elevate any candidate above another because the whole premise is that no one is a good option in this election. And surprisingly, I found that one was less divisive than I thought. People kind of seemed to carry on their own side tangent conversations. But one really fascinating YouTube comment I found was someone criticizing how he didn't think the parody had enough musical integrity, including fleshing out things that he's found in previous political parodies that are lacking in this parody. Um, a lot about actually the text overlay, which shocked me because this is not the type of thing you'd usually find in a YouTube comment section. But it's interesting to see how these parodies are actually contributing to a discourse about music in general and musical integrity. And I guess that's generally the furthest thing in people's mind in this election cycle. But that was surprising, kind of delightful to find in a YouTube comment. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's definitely interesting how these critiques about music are being mapped onto politics. And it seems like <laughs> what you're describing is also an example of the reverse. And you know, the other thing that, that's interesting about these parodies is they often spawn other parodies. Yes. You might remember Mike Huckabee did that parody of Adele's Hello around the time of the Iowa caucuses. And there's actually a very interesting response to that where it intersperses scenes from that ad with footage from that uh, creepy horror film from, I think, the early 2000s called The Ring. Um, yes. So it's interesting to see <laughs> how parody builds upon parody to create this very rich intertextual web for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. It was wonderful to talk to you. I'm glad we could discuss this. You just heard a Q&A on campaign song parodies with Trucks contributor Christiana Bernard. This is Dana Gorzolani for Trucks on the Trail at Georgia College. For this month's Musical Anomaly, Trucks on the Trail co-editor James DeVille speaks to the Bernie Sanders campaign's embrace of electronic dance music. The world of EDM is not particularly noted for its engagement with electoral politics or indeed with anything beyond its narrowly inscribed hedonistic, at times narcissistic, culture. And thus when dance music artists take a position, the media pay at least some attention. For this campaign, it appears that EDM artist Zed initiated the political discussion when he tweeted the following on December 10th to his 2.5 million followers, quote, Donald Trump is my favorite comedian, end quote, in response to the candidate's position on banning Muslims from entering the U.S. The website Your EDM used the opportunity to attempt to mobilize the fans of dance music with the following words, quote, We ask you, whoever you are, to join Zed in his endeavor of bringing attention to the issues in our country that require our direct attention and participation. As a nation, when we are confronted with issues that resonate deeply in our cores as wrong and unacceptable, we have no excuse to sit idly by, end quote. This last clause seems to target the youthful audience of EDM and their notorious political apathy. On January 6th, EDM producer and DJ Diplo tweeted that he wouldn't be voting for anyone if Bernie Sanders didn't get the nomination. 
Then on February 17th, Diplo tweeted, quote, If Bernie Sanders loses the Democratic nomination, I'm staying in India until 2018, end quote. Still, it came as a surprise to election pundits when the Sanders campaign rolled out on April 4th a new ad that used Diplo's revolution, featuring Fostix and Amanos and Kay, as a soundtrack. The musical distance from the previous ad that was accompanied by Simon and Garfunkel's America couldn't be greater. In what one media outlet calls a face-melting political ad, Sanders reaches out to the younger voters who have crucially helped him to attain recent primary and caucus victories. The chorus's lyrics are even more relevant in the aftermath of the New York primary. It's never too late to change our love. It's a revolution. The tightly edited spot maintains an energetic pace from images of the country and its technological progress through scenes of campaign volunteers at work to the candidate himself at rallies. It's no coincidence that the first image of Sanders appears with the first word of the chorus, that graphics highlight the word revolution, and that the visual pace picks up at the very end. But do we agree with the GQ reviewer who calls the video pretty fleek? One song and campaign ad aren't enough to change the direction of an election, but it will be interesting to see if the EDM community will be mobilized to come out more strongly in support of Sanders' candidacy. This is James DeVille signing off from Ottawa for Tracks on the Trail. Is there a song that musically sums up where we are in the campaign at this moment? Indeed there is. Hello from the other side. An interest in Adele seems to transcend party lines this campaign season. Donald Trump has used Skyfall and Rolling in the Deep on numerous occasions. Hillary Clinton has come out as a big fan of the singer-songwriter as well. And, before the Iowa caucuses, the now-defunct campaign of Mike Huckabee released a Hello! parody video. Perhaps Adele's lyric, Hello from the Outside, is fitting for an election in which several candidates, including Ted Cruz, Ben Carson, and Donald Trump, have positioned themselves as outsiders eager to challenge the Washington establishment. The candidates still in the race desperately want to say hello to the American people on Inauguration Day. But for some, it won't be long before their campaign song becomes... The Tracks on the Trail podcast is a collaboration between the Georgia College Department of Music and WRGC 88.3 FM. Tracks on the Trail was created by Dana Gorzelani-Mostak and co-edited by James DeVille. Sarah Kitts, yours truly, Cannon McLean, 
Sarah Farmer and Andrew Spruill provide research assistance. Victoriana Lord provides support for the TracksOnTheTrail.com website. Tracks social media is coordinated by Sam Campbell with the help of Katie Lipsoner and Cassie Kelly. The Tracks on the Trail theme was composed and performed by, oh wait, here I am again, Cannon McLean, with additional vocals from Ryan Sokolowski. Morgan Mendez twisted the dials on that track as well. Today's program was edited by Daniel McDonald. You can visit us anytime at tracksonthetrail.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and listen out for more on soundcloud.com slash WRGC.